CalCast is delivered by FedEx, our presenting sponsor. FedEx provides shipping solutions that enable businesses to process shipments quickly and easily. See how FedEx can help your business grow. Visit FedEx.com slash e-commerce. That's FedEx.com slash e-commerce. Welcome to the CalCast. This is Coach Cal. Today's guest, arguably the best, one of the best in the history of our sport, coaching basketball, Gino Ariema, coaching at UConn right now and tied the record, going to try to break the record this week, has a chance of winning 100 straight games. Are you kidding me? And can't do a movie on it because no one would believe it. Here's a guy that started, didn't really want to do women's basketball, wouldn't, didn't really want to coach, was asked to help by Jim Foster, made 400 bucks a month, was a part-time assistant, coached in high school, coached boys basketball, you ready for this, with Phil Martelli at Bishop Kendrick High School. He did it for two years, and he was loving it. Then he started getting really into the profession, coaching with Debbie Ryan at Virginia, and then took the UConn job, and the rest is history. Never got in it to make money, never got in it for fame and fortune. For all you listeners out there that say, I love to get into coaching, would you be willing to be a part-time assistant and work construction trucks, driving trucks, working the steel mill as you coached in the afternoon, would you be willing? No, I'm not willing. Well, that's what he did. And when you listen to this, he gives you great nuggets. I mean, I walked away with great nuggets. All I can tell you is he broke John Wooden's record twice, twice. He may get to 100, 100 wins in a row. You can't do that on a video game. If the other guy can't play, you can't do it. Craziness. So we shared a video last week on CoachCal.com of my team coming over to my house to enjoy a home-cooked meal. My guys are family to me, and I've always believed that enjoying great meals together creates stronger family bonds. And I got to tell you, it doesn't matter if you've got a team or a team of two. But I also know that nobody has the time to find the great recipe, dive into the grocery store, search up and down aisles for the right fresh ingredients, and then divide them all up into the right portions. And that's why I love Blue Apron so much. Blue Apron delivers great meals right to your door for less than $10 a meal. No driving, no hassles, just great tasting meals with fresh ingredients. Here are a few meals that you could be enjoying in January. Seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney. Spaghetti, squash, and marinara with mushrooms and garlic knots. This last one, Ellen and I ate, and I'm telling you, I loved it. Spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and fora cake. I'm telling you, it was good. Check out this week's menu and get your three meals free with free shipping to, right to your door by going to blueapron.com slash coach. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash coach. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. 
I really enjoyed listening to how do you keep these girls focused? How do you how do you keep the perfection of what you're doing away from them? Because it's perfection, folks. We talked about dominating women's basketball with a few other teams. And, you know, people have said bad for their sport. Well, let me tell you how bad it is. We played Mississippi at Mississippi, Ole Miss at Ole Miss. They played Maryland the same day. You ready? They rated higher than us. And we're one in men's basketball, no one rates higher than we rate. Their numbers came back higher than our numbers. Part of it was because it was a close game and everybody wants to see them lose. Part of the reason our numbers are so high, everyone wants to see us lose. It's the same idea. But he's created a culture that you're going to want to hear about. He's created a mindset. He talked about how he recruits. We went back and forth on that. I think you're going to really enjoy it. I can tell you this. If you want to think of a handful of coaches in our sport, the sport of basketball, NBA, college, high school, I don't care what men, women, you do what you want. WNBA, he's one of five. Let's have some fun with this. One of the great coaches of all time in any sport, in any sport, Gino Ariema chases greatness every year. No, no, let's say this. Gino, you, you chase perfection every year, which is crazy. We're going to talk about a lot of this stuff, but I, I got to ask you because I want people to hear stuff about you they've never heard. You were born in Italy. Italy. Where in Italy were you born? Southern part, outside of, uh, outside of Naples. If you go from uh, Naples is on the ocean, if you go uh, east towards the mountains, uh, we lived in a little village in the mountains about an hour and change away from, uh, from Naples. And you were there seven years. Yep. You know, my family's from Reggio Calabria. That's where my family originated you know, from. You know that something like 25 or 30 percent of all Italians living in America are from Calabria. And you know why? They were chasing dreams and they couldn't reach them there. It was poor. And all right. You know, I'm an Italian citizen. Did I ever tell you that? <laughs> I am an Italian citizen. Now, you became. Tell me why you waited till you were 40 to be a U.S. citizen. Well, I didn't feel like I needed to. uh to do it for any reason whatsoever. I mean, it's stupid of me to wait that long, but, uh, uh, my mom had become a citizen in 1976, uh, which is ironic. It was right during the bicentennial and she did it in Philadelphia at independence hall. I mean, it was amazing. It, it was like the 200th anniversary of our country. And here's my mother who can't speak English being sworn in as an American citizen. And back then it was pretty traumatic because you had to take a test and you had to answer all these questions. Um, so it, it wasn't easy for, for someone who doesn't speak the language. Uh, so I thought inadvertently at the time, I thought, well, you know, that takes care of me. It wasn't until later that I was stupid enough to not pay attention that, uh, you know, if, if you're, if you're born in this country, whether your mother's a citizen or not, you're a citizen. 
or if you're born to an American citizen outside the United States, you're an American citizen. But if your mother gets naturalized, that doesn't necessarily make you a citizen. So anyway, I didn't think anything of it. I just said, let me say this. I wouldn't have known. I mean, that's why I was, I, I had to ask the question because I'm like, when I'm, you know, I've known you for 25, 30 years, but, and I knew you were born in Italy, but then I was just reading some stuff and I'm like, wait a minute. And then, um, I, it's easy to understand. I would have thought if my mother's an American citizen, so am I. And that, that's really, uh, yes. All those years. So what happened was I didn't think anything of it. I just went along with my green card. You know, I could do everything everybody else did, but then I'm coaching at UConn here and I want to take my team to Italy. We have a great team coming back. It's before we won our first national championship. So it's 1994, the summer of 94. And we're going to go to Italy. We're going to play five games. You know, it's our first European trip ever. And it's like, okay, well, I have an Italian passport. And it's like, okay, well, you know, in Italy, like there is in a lot of countries all over the world, you have to do mandatory two years of military service. Uh, I don't know if they still do that in Italy, but it, it was. They at didn't the time. tell me that before I became an Italian <laughs> citizen. They better not still be doing it. <laughs> no, so it's funny. So I, 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 I don't know. I could have been imagining all this, but I thought, wait a minute, I'm not. They're going not going to let this. you out. They're not letting you out. <laughs> I have somebody go. Hey, dude, you owe us two years. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I filed all the papers. I went down to uh, the courthouse, you know, in the federal building down here in Hartford and got in line with everybody else and got my got my passport, got my citizenship and uh, the rest is it. You know, what's great. Uh, My grandparents came through Ellis Island, did not speak English. Your parents. Um, chasing the American dream and an opportunity for you and my grandparents, for my my parents, and um, then that passed down to us. Um, your family, why did they go to Philadelphia? Well, back in those days, unlike today, I don't think, back in those days, in order for you to come to this country, the number of hoops you had to jump through, and one of the main requirements was you had to have a relative living over here who would sponsor you. It's almost like joining a country club, right? You can't just say, I want in. Somebody has to sponsor you to get in. So somebody has to file all the paperwork, all that has to be an American citizen. So two of my uncles were already here. So they filed all the paperwork to get my father to come over. So he came over to live with them. You had to have somebody, a relative living here. And you, you, they told you this, where are you going to live? You had to prove where you were going to live and do you have a job? So you had to have all that lined up pretty much before you got here. So he came over and then he spent a year here. And then a year later we came over. So we stayed over in Italy. My mother, me, I was the oldest seven. My brother was going on five and my sister was one. And you know, when the time came, Got a ride down to the port. Nobody's flying back then, certainly not us. And you got on one of those, uh, whatever ship you could afford, barely. And you made the trip 13 days across the Atlantic Ocean. 13 days. And, uh, you know, 
I, I tell everybody we had the Leonardo DiCaprio suite down below, you know, next to next to the next to the luggage, you know. <laughs> you know, it, you're right. When my family came over, they had to have family here, yeah. and my grandfather's brother worked in the coal mines in Clarksburg, West Virginia. And that's the job he had when he came over working with family. It's amazing, but that's that's how this all started. I mean, uh, so how the Connecticut thing? Now, here's what people may not understand. They, they had one winning season before you went there. How in the world? First of all, why would you take it? And UConn, UConn, you're not from up north. You're from Philadelphia. Right. Philadelphia is the most provincial yep. city in I've Harvard. ever been in. No question. So why would you do it? I mean, they had one winning season. What would lead you to believe, well, we can do this here? There comes a point in time where you just go, I, I got to I gotta be a head coach, man. I, I got I to gotta do this the way I want to do it. I got to see whether or not what I think and how I would do it uh whether it works, I got to be in charge of my own success. I, I can't be working for anybody anymore. And uh, I actually interviewed at DePaul, and I thought I was going to get the job. And how about this? This is the, this was the biggest disappointment in my in my life. I interviewed at DePaul. Gene Lanty Ponsetto, who's still there, was going to be the person making the decision, and she was going to hire me. She's the one that made me apply, and a person on the committee. A good Catholic school boy like me, all my life, I got shot down by a nun. A nun says, nah, he's not the right guy. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding me, right? <laughs> so I didn't get the The nun got you. The nun got you. She yeah. probably called back to the Catholic school yeah. you went to, and the nun there said, yeah. you don't want that, Gina. He was back trying to be funny. Well, she you know, got yeah. killed by a nun. Yeah, they're like organized crime, man. They know everybody, and everybody knows them. And, and once you do something to cross them when you're in eighth grade, they they hope that it They don't life. forget. Oh, <laughs> it's like, it, it, oh, right. they got memories. They remember everybody. Right. But it, isn't it funny, though? And I, I don't mean to interrupt, but isn't it funny that some of the best moves you make are the ones you don't make? I've always thought that. I mean, I, I had an opportunity to go to Youngstown. And they shot me down. I had an opportunity to be at Maine, Maine, and they shot me down. And then I ended up getting a UMass job. But I could have been at one of those two places. Oh, my gosh. And I don't know what would have happened. Amazing. You had a losing year. Why would you have a losing year? What was it, your first year? Yeah. You had a losing year. What was your record? 12 and 15, I want to say. Sound like 12 and 15. Well, here's the funny thing. The four years before I got here. They were nine and 19. Sorry, one year they were eight, eight and 20 or eight and 19. And the other year is not. So I said to them, the kids on the team, I said, let me ask you guys a question. Which came first? Did you get the nine and go, that's it, that's enough, and then got the 20 or 18? Or did it just happen along the way? Because it's not, it's not easy to get the same record four years in a row. So I get the job. We win our first seven. We're seven and zero. Oh, they think we're. And gone. you're feeling good. And you're feeling this is easy. I'm, I'm, I'm like dying every day. Going, uh, uh, this ain't going to last. They think, they think we're going to the Sweet Sixteen, right? We won our first seven. Then we went one and ten the next eleven games. Something like that. I forget what it was. <laughs> and rea- you know, reality is always going to sink in. You know, I asked the kids before the season. I said, "What do you think you guys are going to finish this year?" They said. Uh, Probably fourth or fifth. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys finished ninth four years in a row. You think you're going to finish fourth or fifth? 
said, well, you're our coach. I said, yeah, but you're still the same players. <laughs> that, <laughs> that ain't going to change. <laughs> you start and then you get that group. How in the world? Because it kind of turned pretty quick to where you brought it on. What happened was, you know, we, we, we went through the growing pains where you got to get rid of guys that were from the old coach. You got to wait for guys to graduate. You got to take three or four years to get your whole team of your guys and then 1988, 89. So it was like 85, 86, 86, 87, 87, 88, 89. Our Twenty-two regular season championships, twenty-one tournament championships. What the hell are you talking about? You're talking about what you've done in the Olympics, gold medals. You're 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 buttoning up against a thousand wins, which is stupid. You have these winning streaks. You have the record of ninety. Okay, yeah. so because you're perfection, you let me let me tell the listeners when we were twenty-seven and zero or whatever it was, I didn't call. Any other coach, male, female, I called you, and I said, what do I do? Do you remember the call? I'm in the car. Yeah. I'm saying, listen, will you leave your phone? I got your number. And then I put your phone in, and I started butt-dialing you by accident. Like, once every week, you get a butt-dial. For some reason, you're saying, this guy is out of his mind. Yeah. But do you remember what you and I talked about? We were like 27-0, and 0, and I said, man, these dudes are feeling this. I'll, you know, Because everybody said, lose a game, it's better. No. And I'm like you, like bullshit. I'm not. Yeah. No, no, we're trying to win every game. Right. So talk about what you and I talked about. I think what happens is when you get to that point, you, you start to listen to what everybody says. You start to you start to imagine things, too. You you can go a couple different ways. You know, we talked about how do you handle the expectations now that 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 you have? that you have, that your players have, that your fans have, that uh, how are you going to handle the added media that now all of a sudden people aren't just asking you about, hey, that was a great game against Georgia the other day. Now they want to know, hey, that's 27 in a row, blah, 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 blah. Do you think you go undefeated? You know, So all of a sudden the questions, the focus, everything starts to become about the streak and about being undefeated instead of, what did we just do today and what do we have to do tomorrow? And trying to keep players, especially guys, especially guys who have their minds on a lot of different things. You know, uh, it's not easy. It's, it's downright. You said stay, you got to stay in the moment, Cal. You got to stay in the moment, man. Worry about getting better. So you got to go every day. You got to go every day at practice and try to shut out during those two hours, shut out everything in your life. And just go, look, what do we need to do like right now to get better today? And how do we evaluate getting better? Because if you go, hey, we won again. Well, yeah, okay, let's watch film. I guarantee you I can put together 10 minutes of film and make you look like we lost by 20. So are, are we? Is that, are what, we, is that what you do when you have a team on a run like that? That's what I do. Like when we go on, when we're like playing and we can't lose, and I have a team that I know. Like nobody can beat us 
the only thing that can happen is we have to lose. I know that if we go out and we play anywhere close to our A game, it doesn't matter what the other guys do, they can't win. That's how good You told me that. You said you said that cuz you had watched my team that year. That's yeah. what you kept saying. And I and so my feeling with the team is they are hoping we lose. So when you get your kids to understand that the only chance you have of this thing going away is you go out and you play bad. How do you play bad? Well, you're not concentrating, you're not focused, you don't take it seriously, you let shit get in the way. You know, you get you let stuff like egos get in the way. I'm not getting enough shots. I'm not you know, so all of a sudden now the other team didn't beat you, you lost. There's no shame in getting beat. I mean, I never had a problem getting beat. Somebody's good enough and they beat us, God bless them. I took my hat to them and say, you know, you know what you just did? You did something great. You beat us. But damn, if I'm going to lose because we didn't prepare properly, we didn't, you know, we weren't thinking clearly. We didn't organize it clearly. We didn't get our guys in the right frame of mind, whatever the case may be. So I just had my players convinced that, you know, the pressure is on the other teams because what people want to do is they want to put the pressure on you. They want to say, you know, the pressure. And they want you to lose. And they want you to lose. Of course they do. Of course they do. You know, like we win another game. I think we're at 88 in a row now. All right, think about that. We won 90 in a row a couple years ago. Now we're at 88. Like, this is this is a, a land that even in your wildest dreams, if you went to go watch a science fiction movie, they wouldn't even put something this stupid. Not on. believable. The only story that will appear in every paper in America will be if we lose tomorrow, not if we win again. Hold on a second, Coach. When you're putting together winning teams, just like me and Gino, it all starts with finding the right talent. I've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying it. I love my team. These guys are really talented, and more importantly, they're great people. Bringing together a group like them doesn't happen by accident. You work hard to find the best people nationwide to help our team perform at a high level. It's no different with your business. If you're going to win, it all starts with finding the right talent. To find the right talent, all you need is ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter already has 9 million resumes you can search through in their database. Let me say that again, 9 million searchable resumes. With a single click, ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface lets you post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in. Quickly screen and rate the best candidates, then hire the right person fast. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Coach Cal. Start building your better team today. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Coach Cal and post your jobs for free. All right, let me show a little love to Papa John's Pizza. But you know how I'm going to do it today? I'm doing it with Papa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cal and Papa are going to talk about Papa John's. Papa, what's my favorite pizza? And pizza, Coach. You've been on me for 15 years to make a good pan pizza. <laughs> we got to talk about this. Talk about how you came up with this, because this was 
like a year in the works because I was getting all over you. Like, come on, man. I want my pan pizza. Yeah, you know, Coach, you can't make good wine from bad grapes. You, you know, if you want something good, you know, you got to start with something good. Fresh dough, olive oil. Uh, we mixed up a little fresh packed sauce for the pan pizza. And we spent about 18 months, and I think we got it right. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no, there's no shortcuts in life. You know, Coach, you're either, you do it right or you don't. You also hit it out of the park with your new stuffed cheese sticks. Man, are they good. Bacon cheddar or Wisconsin cheese. And five bucks is a great deal for them. So, Papa, here's why I told the listeners I had to get you on the line. You're offering a deal. Two large, two-topping pizzas for only eight bucks each. What are you doing? You're like giving stuff away. It's crazy. (laughs) Well, it's all about quality. It's all about service. It's all really about the people, as you know, and it's also about value. you got to provide the consumer with great value. We think a couple of large pieces with two toppings for 8 bucks a piece, you get it at papajohns.com. We think it's, uh, we think it's a, good, uh, a good deal. Okay, folks, you heard it straight from Papa himself. So hurry up, get this crazy good deal online at papajohns.com or via the Papa John's app. And don't forget to order up Papa's new stuffed cheese sticks for $5 too. Better ingredients, better pizza, better stuffed cheese sticks, Papa John's. All right, here's here's a great one for you. All right, now, what you've done and, and what Tiger Woods did, what the Patriots did, what we did when we started 38-0, they right. would say that's bad for the sport. What are you talking about? What but, you've done is you've brought light to the women's game. You brought light to the women's game that they would not have if you hadn't done what you're doing. What Tiger did, do you remember golf was dying? And then Tiger started right. dominating? And everybody watched. you remember the ratings for him? And I would imagine with your sport and with Kentucky, how about this one? The run we made a few years ago, we're still filling the dregs of that. In other words, we're on TV. Ours are highest-rated games. Well, why would they be now when you really don't know my team yet? Because of then. And, and, you know, here's the other thing. Wouldn't you say the college game has improved because what your team's doing? Because people chasing, you got to figure out how to get better. They all have to figure out or just keep losing. You know what I mean? So- well, the, the same thing, you know, and I've talked to Tiger about this on a number of occasions, about – one, it's so hard to be great every every year, year in, year out, year in, year out. But when you reach a certain level of dominance that he reached, you're right. People have two choices. Roll over and just lose. <laughs> right? Because what was happening? Right? What was happening? Imagine this now. Imagine you're a tiger and you know that if you play your A game. Can't beat you. You're going to win. All right, now imagine you're one of the other top 20 players in the world. And you're one of the top point, 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 one percent of all golfers in the world. And you show up every Thursday at any given tournament. And you know, not only do you have to play your A game, that other guy over there, he has to play bad. <laughs> He's got to have a couple errant shots and a couple right. putts got to lip out. Play bad. So the way I try to explain it to my team is, listen, especially as you get towards the final four, you get in the NC tournament. Listen, guys, everybody's going to talk about pressure this, pressure that, pressure this. 
listen to me. We have the best team in America, correct? They go, yes, coach. All right. So when the other guys are preparing, they're going, listen, if we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this, okay, and we attack this way and we defend this way and we do this, okay, we have a chance to win, provided those guys suck. What do you think they're talking about? So how do you think they're coming into the game? They're coming into the game going, man, I hope Connecticut misses. I hope they play bad. I hope they don't take us seriously. I hope they're not ready to, to for a fight. Well, that ain't going to happen, see, because we're, we're going to be ready. And, and, and that takes all the pressure, I think. Now, it doesn't work all the time. Obviously, nothing works all the time. But for us, that's what's allowed us to just play free and clear instead of carrying that burden of undefeated expectations. You got to win a championship, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's the talk you and I had. And, right. and uh, you know what? It was we ran games off and we had games that we were the other team played out of their minds and we had to win at the end. And it was I didn't think we were feeling the squeeze of it either. And at least I was trying to keep it off the guys. All right. Here's another thing. Yeah. You have recruited the best. OK. And you're able to go where you need to go to recruit. Right. But let me let me I got to ask you this, because this is what I would not know. In your sport, in, 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 in women's basketball, they got to be in school four years. They can't go in the NBA or the WNBA draft until four years after high school. Correct. They have to be through their you know, graduation and all that before they can be in the NBA dra- or WNBA draft. Right. So when you go in a home, like you've had the one, two, and three pick. So when Correct. you go in a home, does the WNBA the opportunity by going to UConn, playing for you, and becoming a WNBA player, or saying, you know what, I'm going to go take that money overseas and I'm going to make you know, more money there. Does that play a part in how you recruit? Well, I would say this. This is the fundamental difference, I think, in coaching women's college basketball and coaching men's college basketball. Other than the fact that we've done a better job of adapting to the rules of the game, like the rest of the world, whereas the men's college guys, I made this comment a few years ago, and even my friends, supposedly like Seth and PJ, you know, went on the air and, you know, were blasting me about what I said about the men's game. And the men's game did suck a couple years ago. And, and, and all of a sudden, and it forced us to change the rules. We had to change to, to do things. So we play faster and wider and shoot more threes. And you were right. I mean, not, you know, everybody buried you. I didn't, I stayed away from course they did. I would have, if someone asked me, but of course they did. They, they don't want some woman's coach bitching about the men's game. (laughs) If it had been, if it had been a guy that, if it had been a guy that, follows the men's game on a regular basis. And they had said that it would have been fine, but it can't be a woman's coach bitching about that. The men's game sucks. That guys can't open that you foul the hell out of people. That guys can't make an outside shot. All these things can't make a, can't make a free throw. Can't make a free throw. 35 seconds to get a shot. When 18 year old kids in Europe are playing with a 24 second shot clock. Seriously. You know? So, yeah. You know, all of a sudden they change the rules and pretty soon you're going to be playing quarters and you're going to, we're going to, everybody's going to have the same rules all over the world. I get that. But here's the fundamental difference between coaching women's college basketball and men's college basketball. When you go in to recruit a kid and I see it 
And our, our men's, everybody's men's, guys that I talk to all over the country, if you're recruiting at the level that you're recruiting at, you and Duke and North Carolina and, you know, UCLA or Indiana, whoever the, the powers that be are, when you're recruiting a kid, here's what a kid wants to know. How much am I going to play right away? And how much money am I going to make in two years? What are my chances if I come to your place of making a lot of, of playing, getting better, and then making a lot of money in two years because I'm going to go and I'm going to be a lottery pick. And that's why you get a lot of those guys is because your track record says, well, if you come here, this is what happens. This is what we do. And oh, by the way, you might have a chance to win a national championship. When we recruit, so kids. so 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 you do it, and and you're going to have a chance to be in the national championship game and win it every single year. You're going to get an unbelievable, great education. You're going to be around women who have the same uh, desires and aspirations that you have. And if you choose to be a professional, you're going to get drafted because our best players have. Okay, so when I go into a kid's house, I we've been able to identify over the years. Here's what's important. And when you come into our practice facility, okay, there's only three kinds of banners up in our practice. One, those 11 national championship banners, of course. Number two, all the guys on our team that have made first team All-American and national players of the year. And number three, how many guys on our team have played on the Olympic team and won a gold medal? Because when I talk to kids in their house, here's what they want to know. One, coach, if I come there, am I going to have a chance to play? Do I fit in, you know, to what you're doing? You know, and I say, yeah, look, we wouldn't be recruiting you if we didn't think so. You know, here's the guys that we've had. Here's where I think you fit in like that. Number two, well, it's always been my goal to be like an All-American. Okay, good. I like that. What else? I want to win a national championship. All right. Well, of course. Who doesn't? And what's that? I would like to play for U.S. Olympic team. All right. Got it. So let's check off the boxes. Here's we've had seven national players of the year in the last 14 years. All right. Boom. How many draft picks? Number one draft picks. Number one. Okay. Uh, you know what? That, that's not as important, but that's important. How many guys have we had start on the Olympic team and win a gold medal? Boom. So the kids that come to Connecticut, Playing in the WNBA, making money overseas and all that, that's not in their top three priorities, not even close. And they know if I go to Connecticut and I get all the things done on those boxes, if I go there and I help them win a national championship, well, if I'm good enough, then where do they go to find the All-Americans? Well, let's start with the team that won a national championship. And then what else? Well, USA is looking for guys that can really play and know how to win. Uh, let's try Connecticut. And then the WNBA goes, um, who are the best players in college, best prepared to play here? Well, let's try Connecticut. And I know I'm going to have four years to develop them, but hey, I'm not stupid enough to not realize if this was men's college basketball rules, if we had the same rules you have, you know how many national championship I would have? Three, four, five, not 11. Yeah, because you're you're changing your team every year. That's that's the hardest thing for me and what I'm doing. Right. I mean, I would, I would do the same thing in college. Don't get me wrong. If I was in college, I would do something similar to what you're doing. 
you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I'd be good enough to be able to do it just like that, but I would do something similar. I would go out and get that kid. You know, I would not recruit Diana Taurasi just because I thought, Hey, after freshman year, she's leaving. I think Diana would stay here till she won a national championship. So after her sophomore year, she would have left. I think Stewie would have left after her freshman year, maybe after she was MVP of the final four. And then here's the other thing we got going for us. Really? You want to give up on college for $50,000 a year in the WNBA, yeah, the money, and then, a couple, the money. And, then, and then a couple hundred thousand overseas. Diana Taurasi stayed here four years. She won three national championships. Then she went to the WNBA, rookie of the year. Then she, then she made the Olympic team, blah, blah, blah. Now she makes $2 million a year overseas. Well, guess what? There's only one of her. Right. There's only one of her. So if there was 25 of her, then I, you know, guys would leave. But there's no reason to leave. Yeah. The the thing that we're having to do, and I think it's, I, we've really challenged these universities. We're we're offering lifetime scholarships to the kids that come here. Here's a crazy stat for you: of the players that I've recruited in this, this is my eighth year, uh, and not including the players on this team. Uh, but the guys that have gotten scholarships here, nearly 80 percent have gotten drafted. That's so stupid that it's ridiculous. And of that 80%, 80% have gotten second contracts. So basically being prepared when they get in there. We've got some guys in the D League, uh, Dakari Johnson and Alex right now, having to play their way into the NBA, yep. both playing well. But, but this still is a college campus. Uh, we've graduated 14 kids. We graduated three in three years. We have three kids in the NBA with college degrees. But just what you and I said and – Look, if a kid can leave after a year, God bless him. This isn't 50000 This ends up being $20 million. Of course. And you and I, the way we grew up, come on. I'm in the green room. And I don't understand. Know. I don't understand why everybody has a problem with that. Now, I don't think, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's great for the NBA that they're taking these kids. I mean, because for every kid like Anthony Davis that they get coming out, there's a bunch of guys that come out that flame out and shouldn't have come out. And I've always said, unless you're going to be one of the top, I'll even go as far as 10, unless you're going to be one of the top 10 players picked in the league. The only reason guys are coming out early, they hate school. They hate school. They hate going to class or there's they're in such dire straits at home or in their life that they need to get overseas somehow, some way, even if they don't make in the NBA, to make some money. I get that. But these other kids, when you see the number of kids that want to test the waters and apply for the draft. And you're like, you didn't even have a good college year. What are you doing? I say to myself, listen, I say that some of the guys that, that came through here, dude, 27 of the 60 guys taken in the first two rounds of the NBA draft, are foreigners that you never heard of. And probably won't play here. And, They're drafting him and shoving him over there. And where, so where are you coming from? If you're, not, if you're not the best player in your league, or certainly one of the top two players in your league, where are you going with this? Like, what do you think this is? You think this is like going from AAU to college? Yeah, they, they think, here, here's what happens to all of us. They think college is an extension of high school. And then they think the NBA is an extension of college. And right. they're all three so different. 
And what I do is I'll have a meeting, turn them on to the NBA to get the information, be there as a resource. If they say they want to leave, I may say, are you sure? Now, I want you to think about this, boom, boom, boom. But if they come back to me and say, I got to do this, then I support them. Um, I've had some guys make mistakes, like sure. it, but they were told, and you try to be nice about it without being mean. But I don't want any of these kids to think, well, he's holding me back for me. I don't push anybody out the door. Now, when you say they don't like school, you and I didn't like school either. So no. that's let's put that in the right frame. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. but the kids here have done well academically, and they leave in good academic standing because that's how they get that lifetime scholarship. you got to leave in good academic standing. You can't just flunk out and act like you didn't go to school. And here, if you don't go to class, I'm not playing you. Mainly because a curious mind, the best players that you've coached and I've coached have been smart or nimble-minded. You can't be stupid and be a really good player. I don't care what anybody tells you. So you want to be curious, you want to read, you want to be up to date on things, and I try to tell these kids that. Well, for every kid that listens, there's another kid that's going in one ear and out the other. So you you're right. Gotta, you're you right. Just, you just got to do your best and explain to them the facts of life. And and as a coach, that's making a lot of money. The, you know, the last thing we all want as coaches is come across as well. This is good for me. He's trying to he's trying to keep me to be here. Can I just give you this? And I got to say one thing. Here's what I've told kids when they've come in, and I know they should leave. If you want to do what's right for you and your family, you need to put your name in that draft. Now, if you want to do what's right for me and my family, why don't you stay a couple more years? I've used that once or twice on the, the kids that should leave. You know what I say? Listen, do you think another national championship or another year – of us going to the final four or whatever. You think that changes my life when I, you're right. You're right. Cause when we won our 10th and supposedly that was, wow, no one's ever done that since John Wood. And then we want again, an 11th. Guess what? I live in the same house. I make the same amount of money. I have the same friends. I drive the same car. You could coach men's basketball. And I know you're chased by the, you could coach in the NBA if you choose to. I want to be an assistant coach in the NBA. But you, you, you know, you've had opportunities. I know UConn sat you down and said, hey, would you consider doing this? You, you know, you still have time left now. They could all say, you got a thousand wins. You may get 1,500 for God's sakes. But, you know, you're, have you ever had that itch to say, you know what, I'd like to see how good I could be or, or NBA would be interesting to me? Do, have you had yeah. that itch? Well, uh, two things. Two things came up that um, for me, and and I think maybe I'm at an age now where I might not do it, depending on what the situation is. But there was a time, maybe ten years ago, let's say, or maybe it was a little bit earlier than that, maybe fifteen years ago, twelve, thirteen years ago, maybe, when I had till like midnight to make a decision, and I thought I had made the decision, and at the last minute, uh, my my daughter especially talked me out of it and I don't know why it just was a family thing that, but I was ready to go. I was ready to go from here to go coach a men's team. I knew what my staff was going to be. I knew exactly what it was going to look like. And it, it's something that I wanted to do against the advice of a lot of men's coaches that I, that I respect who said, you're out of your mind. 
Why would you get involved in this mess? Well, you would have been. I would have loved to have seen it. But what you've done for the women's game, um, if someone replicates it, good luck. But what you've done to elevate all of the women's game uh, is going to be your legacy. What, it's not just what you've done at Connecticut. It's that. But I would have loved to see you in a men's situation just to know, let everybody know, wow, this guy's a coach. You don't need to say, there's doesn't need to be any tag before it. He's a coach. It's what he does. He keeps people in the moment. He gets people better. He looks and brings people together. He gets them to meld and share and all the stuff you do. I would have loved to have seen it. Now, if we played against each other, you'd have got your head handed to you. But I think against most coaches, you'd have done fine. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You would have. You guys. You guys would have killed us. Absolutely. You guys would have killed us. Oh man. Uh, but you know that's because you're you're a legend in my own and, mind. Uh, in my know, own uh, mind. And, and it's funny. We were on a charter. We were on a charter to. Uh, I know you were on the we were same plane. So the, the stewardess came up, and we were on the plane. And they said we have to go to Lexington. We have to pick up the men's basketball team and take them to uh, Mississippi. Tell them was it a big plane? Tell them what kind of plane it was. And no, right. it was a regular yeah, plane. It was a regular regular plane. people nothing, down here. Nothing. So the woman who's great. The woman I said, uh, yeah, tell them, tell the men's coach that. Uh, at Kentucky, say, uh, I, I have no idea how he can fit in this seat here in the front row because he's way bigger I, I than I am. I am, too. I am. Know, I got to lose some weight. And she said, she actually, no, I didn't mean that. She said, oh, he's just the nicest guy. He's so funny. I just love being around him. I said, what a bunch of crock of shit. That is, that's unbelievable. <laughs> She told me, too. She said, the coach, I said, Gino was on his plane. She said, yes. Yeah. Well, Gino, what a conversation. And I enjoyed it great. and learned and like I always do. And uh, you go win your, do set your records, win your national title, and, <laughs> and, and I'll see you this summer somewhere. All right? I hope so. Thanks, brother. I hope so. Good luck. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed having a conversation with Gino. Uh, Again, you see now why he's doing it. And let me say this. I've had teams chase perfection, both at Memphis, UMass, here at Kentucky. I know how difficult it is. I know how you have to keep them focused. What he's done and the nuggets he gave all of us, unbelievable. I hope... You walked away saying, now I see why he is who he is. Hall of Famer. They got in that a while ago. He's going to be playing South Carolina for 100 wins. South Carolina's good now from the SEC. South Carolina. It's going to be a war. I will be following this season closely, watching what UConn does. Now, let's get on to this. NBA All-Star voting. We got eight guys. You got to vote. For and I say eight who the teams have presented. I, I thought we'd have a couple more, but I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, I, I look at this and I'm telling you, Boogie, Cousins, come on, Demarcus, you got to vote for him. You got to think about him. How about John Wall and the year he's having? You know, Anthony's only had 40 and 15 as much as anybody in the history of the, the sport. How about Carl Towns in year two? playing 
Uh, he's a double-double machine. What about Devin Booker and Eric Bledsoe at Phoenix? I mean, these two guys, and everybody, the, the, the player that they're all talking about right now is Devin Booker, but Eric Bledsoe, I coached Eric Bledsoe. He's an all-star. He's another one. And let me tell you who else I'm so proud of because he got injured walking into the league. Julius Randle. How about Julius Randle? He is, again, um, driving, and they love him in L.A., and obviously that's why they're promoting him for an all-star birth. And you know what? All of you in L.A., as you build that team, you got your coach in place, you got Julius in place, got to get a couple more guys, and you'll be back where you are normally, which is at the top of this. And lastly, but far from least, Ennis Cantor. You know, Ennis was um, not allowed to play. It was so, so unfair. Stayed in practice, finished the academic term, can always come back, has a lifetime scholarship to finish academically if he chooses. What he has done, he came in and he practiced. He helped Josh become the player that Josh became and helped us get our team to the Final Four that year. Ennis Cantor at Oklahoma City, uh, obviously playing beside right now, I'll tell you, he's, if he's not the MVP, he's one of three in Russell Westbrook. But you can't win with one guy. And that's why Ennis Cantor is the other guy. So you got all those guys. Think about pressing those buttons and voting for those guys, the eight of them. Proud of all of them. Thanks for listening. Oh, and, and, let me just say, we got a very big guest scheduled for next week. Trust me, you won't want to miss it.